The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm really thankful that you are here with us this morning. Um, as has been noted, we do have some big news uh, at some point this morning. So why don't we just get out of the way? Is that good? Too late. Too bad. We're going to do it a little later. I'm not going to give it away that early. Come on. First, we got to get to the Word of God. So if you have a Bible and hope you do, open it up to Matthew chapter 7. As Larry mentioned, we're in... Uh, Matthew's gospel, looking at part of the Sermon on the Mount. This, this teaching of Jesus, these few words we're going to be looking at from Jesus are found in the larger context of uh, what has come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. And as we look at these words, so we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 in Matthew chapter 7. Um, these few words, I want, to, I want to pull back a little bit. If you were to zoom out, it's going to give us some context for the entire sort of teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, which helps us understand these specific words we're going to be looking at. So if you have read the Sermon on the Mount, you may know, you back up a little bit to Matthew chapter five, and Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit for what? Mumble, 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 right. They shall inherit the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Meaning the poor in spirit, those who humble themselves before God. Those who recognize their need, not only just need in general, but their need specifically for God, they will be blessed. They will find the favor and the blessing of God because they recognize that they need him and they ask for him. They invite themselves uh, to to invite him to help them. Uh, You fast forward to Matthew chapter six and Jesus says, when you pray, which means there's an assumption that we will pray. All right, so he says, when you pray, do not... uh, Basically, do not participate in uh, formality and pretense like the religious hypocrites do. Neither should you go through sort of thoughtless mechanical repetition like the pagan spiritualists do. He says, no, just talk to your father. Tell him what you need. That's where we get the, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, right? Just tell your father what you need. Now, ironically, the Lord's Prayer has become something that in many traditions is, is prayed by rote and with formality and pretense. And that's not what Jesus intended by the Lord's Prayer. But he says, just tell your father in heaven what you need. Now we go on in chapter six and Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. How many of us need to hear that this morning? <laughs> do not be anxious about your life, what you will wear, what you will eat. He says, look at the flowers, you know, they're, they're fully clothed. Look at the birds of the air. They are well-fed and they don't toil and spin and labor and take anti-anxiety anxiety medication. Uh, and are you not more valuable? Are you not more loved than they are? And so then he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Set your heart on seeking the kingdom of God. And he says, all these things will be given to you. And it's then... After all that, that we get these words from Matthew chapter seven. So uh, you can look on with me verses seven through 11 of Matthew chapter seven. Let's look at them together. I'll read them. I'll pray for us. And we'll, we'll make a couple of observations as we get into our big news. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks Finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, 
we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful for these men and women and even the children who are in the room, grateful for the opportunity to gather together as your people under the authority of your word and in the presence of your spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you would do what only you can do this morning in the hearts of these people, that you would show us your glory, that you would help us to cling to you more faithfully, to embrace the reality of who you are, Jesus, um, and that you would fill us with faith and expectation and joy in your presence. We need you. And so I pray, I ask that you would fill me, Holy Spirit, and allow me to rightly divide this text. And as we get into our sort of family business and announcement that you would be glorified in all of that, we love you. We need you. And we thank you. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Now, quick confession. When I was about 15, I think it was the, the summer between my freshman and sophomore years, uh, the, I, I started going to this little church. Now, I, I did not grow up in the church, uh, but my parents had started going regularly and kept inviting me to go, and I didn't want to, but I finally went to get him off my back, and that's where the Lord saved me. Like, I wasn't looking for him, but he found me. And I knew that a change had happened in my soul because previous to that, I didn't care about going to church. I didn't want to read the Bible. I owned one, gold stamped and everything with my name on it. But, um, but it just sat on the shelf. And, and then after the Lord saved me, uh, like I was there for Sunday school in the morning and Sunday morning church and Sunday evening church and youth group and then Wednesday night choir practice and business meetings. And like, that's weird, right? When you're 16, you're like, I'm gonna go to the church business meeting. So... <laughs> That And then reading my Bible, and not only reading that gold stamp Bible that I was given, but I bought myself a study Bible, NIV Quest study Bible, and I tore that thing up just reading it and trying to understand the words of God. And some point along that journey, around the age of 16, I came across these verses from Jesus. Now, call it naivete, call it zealousness, uh, call it young faith. These words meant the world to me. And for some reason, they clung to my soul. And from that point forward into various seasons of my life, I have prayed Matthew 7, 7 through 11, facing unknown circumstances, facing opportunities, facing things that I thought I desired, I would pray these, these verses back to the Lord. Cause he said, I mean, I took him at his word. He said, ask. And I asked, okay. And I can tell you that God answered every single one of those. Did he answer in the affirmative of what I wanted? Not always, but he answered. He's good for his word. And so I just want to make a couple observations out of the text here as we get into our news. Um, first of all, I want you to see the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus. Look again at verse seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds and the one who knocks, for the one who knocks, it will be opened. Ask, seek, knock. Uh, the language would tell us this is a present imperative, which means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. But it's so simple, isn't it? He says, just ask, just seek, just knock on the door. And when you do, when you ask and when you seek and when you knock, stuff happens, like God responds. Now let's step back for a minute and just think about that. God responds to our prayers. 
We're talking about the creator and the sustainer of the entire universe. The one who upholds the world by the word of his power. We're talking about the God who is sovereign, who sits enthroned in the heavens and does what pleases him. We're talking about the the God who is holy, 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 Isaiah 6 says, that the seraphim, these fiery angelic beings, can't even look God in the eye because he is so holy. We're talking about the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. The one of whom Paul said, oh, the depths of the riches of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. How unscrutable are his ways. This is the God that we're talking about. And Jesus says, you can come to that God and you can ask him for stuff and he will do you good. That's amazing. (laughs) I mean, it is wild. And how is it possible? How is it possible that you and I can just tell the God of the universe what we need and he promises to respond to us because not only is God sovereign and holy and eternal and wise, but verse 11 also tells us he is our father. He's our father. Now this was scandalous in the first century. Uh, Actually, a a historian has gone back and, and explored every every piece of written documentation they could find of uh, ancient Hebraic religious documentation. And there's not a single, not a single example of an individual referring to God as father until Jesus. And Jesus referred to God as father all the time. That was like the only thing, save one time, he always called God his father. And so he was constantly getting in trouble for calling God his father. Because when you say God's your father, you're essentially equating yourself with God. Okay, so he's always getting in trouble for this. And now not only does he say that he calls God father, but that we can call God our father as well. Now, clearly he's not everyone's father. I mean, in a creative sense, in the, in the sense that he created every single one of us, yes. But in a, put it this way. Um, John is very clear in his gospel that the only ones who, have the right to call God their father are those who have received the finished work of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection with the empty hands of faith. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word took on flesh and dwelt among us. And he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. That's even more amazing. We have the right to be called the children of God. Now it is, it is, it is very popular in this season of life in which we live for people to be deconstructing their faith. Um, and I, I wanna tread carefully here because I, I recognize that anybody who grew up in any church of any kind has some weird knots tied that need to get untied. <laughs> because well-meaning people who tried to trust Jesus and do the best they can screwed you up, right? Like all of you who are parents, you're like, I hope I don't screw my kids up like my parents did. You're gonna, all right? Just go ahead and schedule the counseling appointments now (laughs) because all of us are gonna screw our kids up to to one degree or another, right kids? (laughs) Okay, so, um, and so, you know, 
a lot of us who were, now I didn't grow up in the church and so I'm, I'm saved a little bit from this, but, but many of us kind of grew up in and around the church in the 80s and 90s and there was some wild stuff going on in evangelical churches at that time. And so if you are in a place of, of doubting, if you're in a place of questioning, if you're in a place of just going, what is actually true and real? I pray that this is a place for you that is safe for you to be able to explore and ask those questions and untie some of those knots and actually cling to what's really true, okay? But what I see often is people just abandoning everything because of one or a series of small bad experiences or things that didn't make a lot of sense. And so I've seen people like online and other places be like, well, I prayed for X, Y, and Z and God didn't answer, so he must not be real. And I'm like, that's odd. There's no other explanation. <laughs> I can think of two right off the bat. Maybe you prayed for something and didn't get it because God said no. Or maybe you prayed for something and it didn't happen because you don't actually belong to him. God is not everyone's father, only those who have received the finished work of Jesus with the empty hands of faith. And if you have never clung to Jesus and, in, and Jesus alone by the empty hands of faith, you don't belong to him. And I'm saying that out of love, not judgment. Maybe the thing you need to do today is to get down on your knees and ask him to save you. Maybe the thing that you need to do is open these scriptures and seek him. And guess what? He promises you will find him because he's not far from each one of us. Maybe the thing that you need to do is approach the door of heaven and bang on the door of heaven until he opens it. And he gives you an experience of love and of forgiveness and of belonging to the family of God. Like, don't, don't you see what he has done? I mentioned this earlier. The only time, there's only one time in all the scriptures where Jesus does not refer to God as father and it's from the cross. Because the night before Jesus was going to go to the cross, he cried out to his father in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, if there's any other way but this that we can save these people, let's do that. But nevertheless, your will be done. And God did not respond to his prayer. And so he goes to the cross and as the crown is shoved onto his head and as the nails are pierced through his hands and his feet and he's raised up onto the cross, he quotes Psalm 22 and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, you see Jesus was experiencing the forsakenness of God so that all of us who have forsaken God might be welcomed in his family and belong to him forever. Jesus absorbed the judgment for our sin that we know we deserve. Jesus opened his veins for you. The real you, the messed up you, the, the, the faithless you, the you that even you can't stand. That's who Jesus died for. So that you and I could be freed of the power and the penalty of sin so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be adopted into his family and experience the love of God for us forever. And in the eternal words of Doc Brown, back to the future, do you know what this means? <laughs> it means that those of us who are the children of God by faith have the same rights and privileges that Jesus himself enjoys. That's wild.
So we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are sons and daughters of the most high God. We are co-heirs with Christ, the spirit of God himself within us, crying out, Abba, Father. And that is on offer to any one of you today if you will simply ask him to save you. If you will simply seek him, you will find him. If you will knock on that door, it will be open to you. So brothers and sisters, regardless of where you find yourselves this morning, ask and keep on asking. Humble ourselves to ask. You know, you can't be prideful and ask for help at the same time. Seek and keep on seeking. Know what the will of the Lord is and keep on knocking. It's an idea of perseverance and persistence in praying for the things that you believe that you need. Um, Spurgeon one time said, he is far more ready to hear than we are to ask. So why don't we just ask him for what we need? So that's the invitation, but not only is it an invitation, there's a, there's a promise here. Uh, let me reread the whole passage and then we'll, we'll focus primarily on verse Verses 9 to 11. You guys with me so far? Okay. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Answer, no one. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So the invitation is to ask, to seek, to knock. The promise, if you who are evil, Jesus' words, not mine. <laughs> I might agree with him, but his words. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give good things to those who ask him? Now, any one of you who is a parent no matter the age of your children. If you're a parent, keep, raise your hands and keep them up for me. Parents, okay. Parents, if your kids ask you for goldfish, how many of you, keep your hands up, would give them a copperhead? Okay, security, note the ones who still have hands raised. Uh, or how many of you, if they ask you for crackers, is, you're gonna give them gravel? Actually, I heard, this is hilarious. Uh, in between services, a, a girl, a middle school girl came up to me and she was like, my dad actually did give me gravel one time. <laughs> Come to find out, she was sneaking the M&Ms. And they found out, so they filled the M&M bag with rocks. <laughs> so apparently, it happens once in a while. But Jesus' point in that was, good parents are going to give their kids good things. They're going to respond to their children's requests. And kids who trust their parents are going to ask. And your hearts are wicked. And you know how to do that. Kids, I love watching little kids, especially, you know, uh, I'll walk through Walmart and just look at, you know, like three-year-olds dragging around a toy bigger than they are, you know, and just like no clue in the world that their parent won't buy it for them, you know, because why? Because little kids implicitly trust their parents. They have absolute confidence in their parents' love for them and then their power, their ability to do anything they ask them to do, right? And so you just see these kids wandering through the store. I mean, I've seen kids dragging like food, like big bags of food behind them that are just like, I want this, you know? And it's like, they have no, I, they have no clue that their parents gonna tell them no. Cynicism is learned behavior, right? And, and similarly, 
you and I as children of God by faith can have confidence according to the words of Jesus in this text and according to the reality of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the gospel message that we too can ask. And he will hear us and he will respond to us. No need is too big. No request is too insignificant. Proverbs 15 says that God delights in the prayers of the just, the righteous, the upright. And listen, if you belong to Jesus by faith, you belong to the upright. He delights in those prayers. Now that's, that's not carte blanche to just ask for whatever you want, right? A good parent doesn't give their kid everything they want. You know what happens to kids who get everything they want? They end up on the news and not in a good way. But a good parent always responds to their kids' needs. I have, um, for the last couple years, I've been, my kind of morning routine is that I have a reading plan. So I open the Bible, you know, in the morning when it's quiet and then uh, read whatever the scriptures are for that day. And then I, I'll, I'll take out my journal and I sort of, um, I'll write out maybe like a paragraph, just a few sentences of reflection on that passage and, and, and what I think God's saying to me in that. And then I've just started sort of bullet pointing out specific prayers. I pray for you all, pray for specific needs in our church family, pray for my family, you know, just until the page is sort of to the bottom, just specific needs that I've, and um, occasionally I'll go back to some of those old journals and I'll open them up. And it's, it is amazing to see how specific prayers were specifically answered. Now, is every one of them answered? Yes, in that. God responded, were they all answered the way I asked him to? No. But man, like praying for, uh, for, for a family to be able to adopt, praying for a family to be able to conceive, praying for a family to get out of a financial hole, praying for someone to be healed of cancer, praying for, right? Um, last year I decided, you know what? What? God says, ask, I'm going to ask. And so I was like, Lord, would you, would you let us see five people baptized by Easter? And the Lord said, how about six? And so after Easter, we baptized six people. And I was like, well, why not do it again? <laughs> I don't want to be presumptuous. I want to be faith-filled. Lord, would you allow us to see at least five people baptized? And we baptized seven, right? So like, I'm not saying it, oh, like, he's not, he's not like, well, you asked for a Ferrari, so I guess I have to now because you asked, right? It's not like that, but he responds. Now, there's other things we, we've prayed for, um, and they, they weren't what I asked him to do, but he still answered, and he's still good in that. No need is too big. No request is too insignificant for him. Good parents always respond to their kids' needs, but they don't always give them what they ask for. Um, so, so fathers, you might not give your kids a fish, I mean, a, a serpent if they ask for a fish, but what if they ask for a serpent, <laughs> right? You, see, Jesus is trying to explain to us here, you know what's good for your kids. You know what's best for your kids. And so you will give them what is best for them. Now, that's hard for us because when we pray for things, none of us, none of us probably thinks the thing that we're praying for is bad for us. 
And similarly, some of you have prayed for people to be healed and they passed away. Some of you prayed for relationships to be restored and they got worse. Some of you prayed for um, family members, right? For children who, who were straying and, and they haven't come back to the Lord yet. Some of you have prayed for big things and you haven't, and it's always discouraging when you pray for something that seems so good and so right. And like, why wouldn't God want to answer this prayer this way? And it doesn't happen. But I think it's the epitome of pride for us to pray for something and to see it not happen and to go, well, I guess God's not real because there's no other way he could have answered that. Like, really? Like if God has to consult you to make sure that his plans are in line with yours before he answers your prayers, who's actually God here? If there is a God who is sovereign and good and the creator and sustainer of all things, can't you at least allow the possibility that God has a plan that you haven't thought of yet that's actually ultimately for your good, even though in the moment it sucks? And so when we pray and we find that our prayers are not answered the way that we think they should be or they're going to be, it opens up a great question that we have to wrestle with. And that is, can I admit that I don't always know what I really need? See, he promises us good. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so can we admit that sometimes if I ask for something I think is good and he doesn't answer the way I think he should, that maybe what he knows is good is not what I thought was good. See, God here is inviting us to recognize our human limitations to realize that we don't see like he sees. He is God, we are not. He, his ways are higher than our ways. What, I, think it was, um, I think it was Tim Keller. He's like one of those pastors that everybody rips off, you know? Um, he said one time, God doesn't always, he, he doesn't always give you what you asked for, but he does give you what you would have asked for if you knew what he knows. can I at least acknowledge the possibility that there are things that I don't know? And so when I pray a certain way and it doesn't go the way I prayed for, I, can I entrust myself that God knows better than I do? See, I, I, was, I talked to a woman after the first gathering and she said, um, you know, sometimes I, I find myself not praying because I'm afraid that either God isn't gonna answer at all or that he's gonna He's gonna give me the thing I don't want. How many, how many of us struggle with that same thing, right? He gives us what we would ask for if we knew what he knew. Now, what does any of this have to do with our big announcement? <laughs> um, so so we're, gonna, we're gonna time out on the text for a second. Um, the, my last thing here is, is uh, an open door from Jesus. And there's a question mark at the end because we're not, we're not positive, okay? Um, at the risk of eisegeting the text, at the risk of misapplying the text, I told you this, pa this passage has been really important to me over the years. And um, our church will be 15 years old on September the 11th. So we're coming up on a, on a birthday. Um, we're now a moody teenager, so congratulations. 
and God's done amazing things in this church over 15 years. We've seen countless people come to faith in Jesus. We've seen people recommit their lives to Jesus. We've seen tons of baptisms. We've seen people meet their spouse. We've seen people have bajillions of kids uh, over 15 years. It's been really great, you know? Um, and so as our church family has grown over the years, we've had a couple of consistent asks of the Lord. And one of those asks has been a home because every family needs a home. And, um, and we've, we've been a lot of places over the years. Um, I put together a little video montage for you. Uh, this isn't fancy. This is just like Google Earth. It's pretty cool though. So we're going to pull it up. We, we started originally 2006 and seven uh, in an old Sunday school classroom uh, at Grace Baptist Church, which is down the road. And so we, we were meeting there um, weekly for a little Bible study before we got the church going. And then we were doing monthly preview gatherings. So before we ever launched publicly or launched weekly, we did monthly gatherings at the Great Eagle, which is a music venue down in the River Arts District kind of zoom in there. So this was like 2007. So very few of you were around then. Um, and that was great. We did monthly services. I was ordained on the stage of the Gray Eagle into gospel ministry. I think I might be the only person ever ordained on the stage of the Gray Eagle, but that's where I became a pastor. And um, so we were there monthly. A family in our church uh, used to co-own the Eagle. And as we were thinking about weekly gatherings, they were like, hey, either we need to go to another church or you need to find another place to meet. So we were like, we love you. And so we went back to Grace Baptist. You'll see that on Haywood Road here, Grace Baptist Church. Um, okay, that white roofed building at the sort of middle right of the screen, that's their Sunday school building. And we met in the basement of that building. Uh, this is from September 07 till about the summer of 08. And that was, uh, that was great, except it always smelled like sausage biscuits because they had a Sunday school class right before that. Uh, and so we'd have to put up with that. But there are about 30 or 40 of us who gathered when we started meeting weekly. Well, then you can keep going. A door opened for us as we were praying to meet at the Haywood Street congregation. Now this used to be Haywood Street Methodist Church. You can just pause it there for a second. Um, I read in the newspaper back when newspapers were a thing that the Haywood Street Methodist Church was gonna close uh, and, the, and the denomination was gonna turn it into like a community center. So we got on the phone back when you used phones for phone calls. And, and we inquired about renting that space and they were gracious and allowed us to rent that space. And we were there for about six years from 2008, summer of 08 until uh, 2014. And that place was ghetto. And what I mean by that is uh, the only way to get to the restroom and, and restroom, I mean, one, there was like one stall for each gender. In the, some of you remember this, right? In the basement, you had to go through like a clothing closet to get to it, six and a half foot ceilings, concrete, little wooden doors that had a latch. It was like super old school. Um, people would break in that building all the time. We had to clean up blood and all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's great. And the Lord blessed our ministry. And, and uh, it's great because we'd be like, look, it's not about the building. Like, like twice, two times in a row, somebody stole all the copper for the air conditioners. You know, it's like, here we go, open the windows. Except they don't open because they're old. So... <laughs> Uh, six and a half years, we, six-ish years we met there. Uh, I mean, fire code was 48 people. We had 206 people in one service one time, people sitting on the floor. It was, it was a fire hazard. But God blessed our ministry and we grew. And then we outgrew the space. And so that door was sort of closing. A homeless ministry was moving in and growing. And so we ended up having a door open for us at Hall Fletcher Elementary School, which is right down here on Haywood Road. Now, Hall Fletcher, we had been serving that school for a number of years. Um, 
we loved them, they loved us, the principal and us had a good relationship and he actually invited us to come rent space there. Made us a super sweet deal, but it meant we had to go portable. And from 2014 to 2017, we met at Hall Fletcher Elementary School. Now the thing about elementary schools is elementary kids don't drive. And so the parking lot was super small. And then the principal left and a new principal came and, and they were great, but we didn't know them. And a lot of the teachers we had relationships left and so that door started to close for us and simultaneously a door here at Calvary opened. Uh, and so in 2017, we moved here. Um, initially, it was a, a rental agreement, five-year lease, uh, which would have ended this summer, but we got a one-year extension because of COVID into 2023. Now, as part of that process, we were having conversations with Calvary about their future and our future. And uh, we really did believe that this could be a long-term solution for us. They had many people and their leadership had said to us, hey, just wait, like over time, you guys will be able to get in here. And they approached us at one point, this is like late 2019, about swapping spaces. So us moving to their sanctuary, them moving into here, cause it's a nice flat space. Uh, and then that led to further conversations about, uh, about us buying the building from them for the cost of deferred maintenance. So I was scheduled to do a couple of meetings with their members and then they were gonna have a vote. And the first of those meetings was supposed to be March 15th, 2020. <laughs> so needless to say, that meeting didn't happen. Over the summer, they ended up hiring a pastor because they didn't have one. And apparently he knew nothing about that agreement. And so uh, he's, he's a good guy, but we've just not been able to get on the same page. And he's trying to revitalize Calvary, of course, and, and, and why not? But it's been clear to us, you know, in the last year to two that um, our, our long-term future is not here. Now, you may remember, if you're a member here, um, in, two, in, in February, this past year, February, we met right in here for our members meeting. And I said to you guys, hey, I need you to pray uh, because our lease is up you know, in, in a year and uh, we got nothing on the horizon. There's no doors open. I don't know if you've seen the real estate market around here, but um, it's bananas, especially if you're trying to buy something and you're a young, poor church. So um, for the square footage we need, you know? And so it's just, there was nothing tenable on the horizon. So we said, look, we need to ask, we need to seek, we need to knock, we need to be in prayer about this. And many of you took us seriously and you prayed. And um, what's crazy about that is like, I don't care, I'll meet under a tree. Like give me a Bible and like a bottle of water and I'll preach to anybody anywhere. I just don't know that you wanna meet under a tree. Uh, we can try it sometime if you want, but I doubt that's really what you want. So, so we just like, what do we do? Where do we go? Okay, so that was uh, February of 2022. Keep it paused. Uh, fast forward to March, or sorry, April, end of April. One of our elders gets, a, gets word through the grapevine that um, there's another church in our community who's fallen on some hard times. And so I inquired with some other leaders in the area who I know who knew that church. And I said, is it worth us reaching out to ask them if we should inquire about renting? And they said, yeah, you really should. So I sent an email around noon on the 26th and I just said, hey, who's, here's who we are. I understand you guys are you know, in a tight spot. Is there any opportunity for us to rent space or whatever? Didn't expect to hear anything back. Exactly 30 minutes later, got an email back from the only person I could find on staff. So they didn't have a pastor at the time, just an associate sort of administrative pastor. And he, he emailed back and he said, hey, we'd love to talk with you. We're talking about our future right now and would love to have a conversation. So we, within a week, we got all our elder teams together and had lunch together and started talking about all the different possibilities and opportunities that would be there. And very quickly, the conversation turned from us renting the space 
to a more intentional gospel partnership uh, in which we might adopt them and they become part of our church. And then we kind of move over to that, to that space and inherit their building, okay? So that would be no dollars, okay? It's just important. And that's like, a, okay, that's a big deal, right? And so we began having that conversation and, um, and over the last four months have continued to have that conversation, meeting regularly, talking about what it would mean for us to be the lead church, them to be the joining church in, in a, what you might call an adoption merger, okay? Um, where they would become us and then we would move over there. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So we're at this point four months in where we now are ready, both of us, both churches, to invite our congregations into this conversation, a period of discernment where we're asking you to pray and to ask questions and let's think through this together and see if this is what, in fact, the Lord might be calling us to do. So with that, you can push play. Uh, it is our joy to announce this morning that we are uh, intending, we are recommending our elders that we move into a formal uh, adoption process with Bent Creek Baptist Church. Um, it, it might play in a second here, but uh, it's gonna zoom out and then zoom in. Now, Bent Creek is about, some of you are familiar with where it is. It is to the Southwest by six miles. So not city center anymore, but here's the spot, okay? Bent Creek was founded in 1900. Uh, that little white building to the left there is the original frame chapel building that was uh, built in 1900. And uh, since then, I think in the 50s, they built a red sort of um, Sunday school, preschool building. And then in the 70s, built that bigger building you see there to the bottom uh, on the right there. Now, uh, that is uh, a church of about 50 to 70 people right now. Um, that property is about 10 acres those three buildings and the auditorium, that's the furthest building away in that video there, um, they say seats around 800 to 1,000 people. So it's a massive building. And, um, and so we've been having these conversations. Now, I know there's a ton of questions that are gonna come with this. Let me make a couple things clear. Uh, this is not a done deal, okay? This is an invitation for you guys to discern with us, is this what God's actually leading us to do? Uh, six miles, it's less than 10 minute drive, okay, from here. I know for some of you, if you're coming from the north or the east, it might be just a little bit longer, uh, down 26 or whatever, but for many others of you, especially those of you south or west, it's actually quite a bit closer. And um, it, as it zooms out, you can zoom out all the rest of the way. You'll, I'm, I tried to put in here, like, this is the distance from where we are now to where they are, which seems like a lot, but that's like, what, 20 inches? It's not long, okay? It's not far away. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, I worked in the nine too. So that, it, it's basically a ten, eight to 10 minute drive. Okay, it's not far. Um, so here, here's a couple things I need from you. Uh, I think I said everything I needed to say there. First of all, how's that hit you? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, yes, no? <laughs> Praise God. Um, I know you have tons of questions. Here's, I'm gonna give you some dates, but you don't have to write them down, okay? I've got, we have a, an FAQ document, it's 10 pages, please read it, um, that we're gonna be handing out at the end of the gathering. You can take a paper copy. You can also go to our website, which is mdcashville.org slash FAQ, and that'll bring up all the information that you want to see there. Um, there's also a place on the website for you to submit questions. Um, and then there's a schedule, okay? So here's the tentative schedule of events. I just wanna run by you real quick. First of all, let me say this. Our prayer this entire time has been, if this is what Jesus wants, 
Jesus, make it happen. If this is not what Jesus wants, shut it down. Okay? And so as we've had conversations with them, think of them like an intersection. At every intersection we're looking for is the light green, yellow, or red. If it's red, we stop. If it's yellow, we hit the gas. No, we don't. We slow down. We slow down. And if it's green, we keep on rolling, you know? And, and I think it's, it's fair to say that at every intersection, every conversation, it's been green lights, okay? So, so we're ready to invite you into this process. Next Sunday, the 28th, there will be a town hall meeting here at 3 p.m., okay? Just at 4.15. So I'm gonna invite you to submit questions between now and then if you have questions about what this means. After you've read the FAQ, please do not ask me a question that is on the FAQ or I will refer you to the FAQ. So read it, then ask questions, okay? Um, you can submit them ahead of time and then we will do our best to respond to those questions. We're gonna have a little bit of time of worship, a little bit of time of prayer, and then we're gonna do town hall and the elders will all be up here and we'll answer questions. That happens on the 28th, okay? September 11th, which is our church birthday, uh, after service, we will go over to Bent Creek at 3 p.m. for a second town hall. That'll be a joint town hall with them and us, okay? Uh, we'll have an ice cream truck there to sort of have a social afterwards. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Norman's, I think, the, the brown and white ice cream truck's gonna come and uh, we're gonna have a good time. September the 25th, we are gonna go over there for a joint worship gathering, okay, at 11 a.m., okay? So there won't be any kids ministry, but we're gonna go over there and worship with them. We will lead everything, but it'll be at their space. So we'll get an understanding of what it'll be like to be one church together, and you can sort of clock your mileage and see how long it takes you to get there. Except, uh, October the 2nd, there will be a final, a second joint town hall, a final town hall between both churches, Sands Ice Cream. Um, but we will get together again to ask any final questions. October the 9th, we are gonna be entering into what we're calling a week of waiting, which is where we are gonna call both church families into a week of fasting and prayer, if, as long as you're able to fast, uh, to fast and pray for God's will to be done here. And then on October the 16th, we will do a, uh, both congregations will do a vote of our members uh, to determine whether or not we proceed, okay? So that's, that's an eight week period between today and October the 16th. Um, uh, and, and we're gonna move at the pace of the spirit and of the congregations, okay? Now, as we wrap up, here's what I need from you. Um, I need you to pray, okay? Will, will you ask, will you seek, will you knock? I know some of you have been and have been faithfully. Will you continue to ask that the Lord um, continue to open this door if it's what he wants to shut it down, if it's not what he wants? I'm fine with that either way. Okay. Um, attend the town halls. Okay. I know it's hard. School's starting back up. Kids need to get to bed and whatever. It's an hour, 15 minute meeting. I promise you. Okay. If only one of you can come spouses, like just come, but be there, ask your questions. Okay. One of the, one of the greatest things that can derail things like this is rumors and filling information gaps with, tr with, with mistrust instead of trust. Does that make sense? Okay, so we wanna be as open as we possibly can. We invite you into this conversation um, and, and we are praying like crazy that the Lord would protect us from his enemy, from attacks and rumors and gossip and all that kind of stuff. That's why we wanted to bring this into open now. So pray, attend town halls, bring your questions. I really want you to know your voice matters. Whether you're a member or not, if you're a regular here, your voice matters. We wanna hear from you. We wanna understand what the questions and concerns might be. I will go ahead and tell you, there's a lot of questions we don't have answers to yet because we're still feeling it out and working towards a solution. 
Um, but as many as we thought you might have, we tried to answer in that FAQ document, okay? Um, and help us discern where the Lord's leading here, okay? Um, this, is, this is potentially a really good opportunity. The door has cracked open and we just, we're asking you to help us discern whether the Lord's gonna open that door fully for us there or do something else that we didn't think of, okay? So exciting times. Uh, thank you for listening to my presentation. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited and I, I hope you are as well. Um, the elders, just one more little bit of information. The elders are gonna be at the exits when you leave myself included. They'll have paper copies of the FAQ if you want to grab one. But again, you can go to mdcashville.org slash FAQ. And at about 1230, you will get an email in your inbox. Um, if you're on our email lists, that has a link to the FAQ, a link to today, the PDF file and all that stuff. So you'll get that information again. All right. We want to be extra clear and extra repetitive and extra repetitive. So with that, let me pray, and then uh, we're going to respond to the Lord. So um, communion tables will be open. Uh, I want you to reflect. I don't have any questions for you today, but I want you to reflect on what we talked about through Matthew chapter 7, how that in influences and impacts you in regards to your own prayer life and the things that you're asking the Lord for. Uh, if you are a Christian, you're going to be welcome to these tables to participate in communion, taking uh, the bread uh, and dipping into the juice or the wine, whatever your conscience allows. This is where we are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus for us. We're celebrating uh, our future with him and we are coming in repentance and in thanksgiving that Christ would love us so much that he'd give his own life. If you're not a Christian, you can just stay in your seats uh, during our time of response. But uh, Matt and the band are gonna come back up and lead us in a few songs as we make our way out of here. And then I'll have a couple last announcements and a benediction for you. So let me pray. We'll have a moment of silence. And then when I get up to go to the tables, the tables will be open uh, for you to participate in communion if you would like. Father, I thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for the opportunity to share this news that we've been holding on to now for a little while and thankful that um, you love us enough that you say, ask and seek and knock, and that you promise that when we ask and when we seek and when we knock, you will give good things to those who ask. Um, Lord, we, we don't want to suppose, we don't want to assume that this is the good thing, but it might be. And so as we discern this as a community, as, as both churches discern our future together, we ask you uh, to make it very clear and obvious what your will is, and that you give us the, the faith and the courage to step into it. I pray for these brothers and sisters as they wrestle with their own prayers, their own lives, the, the, the things that Maybe you have or haven't answered for them that, that are amb ambiguous. And I pray that you would bolster their faith as well. Um, that we would be a people who take you at your word um, and who, who, who trust our father enough to ask him for what we need. So Lord, as we respond through communion, through giving, through prayer, through singing, would you be honored and glorified? Would you fill us with joy in your presence? We ask this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.